Hello, everybody, and welcome to Chits and Chat. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Alex Cruzy. And today we are off to space, or somewhere futuristic, if nothing at the very minimum, in the <laughs> game Capital Lux. Excuse me. This is a game for two to four players. It plays around 30 minutes is what it's listed as. I'd say that's about right. It's pretty quick. Um, yeah. With higher player counts, I could see it going a little past that 30-minute mark. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd say 30 minutes is pretty right on. Right on the money. Um, and the weight of it is listed at 1.98 in BG- at BGG.com. Um, I think that's about right. I think it's maybe yeah, – I don't know. I guess that's about right. It's not a – I would call this a light game, card game. But it is a card game, and it is rel- there's some learning curves here more than other games, I think, of this uh, ilk. So I feel like it's a little advanced-ish. <laughs> be the best way to put it. Or the yeah. most confusing way to put it. <laughs> a little bit. A um, little bit of both. Uh, designed by Ilif Svensson, Christian amundsen Ostby, and artist Quanchai Moria. And uh, published by Aporta Games. I think that's the copy that I have as well, but I don't have it with me, so I'm pretty sure that's the copy I have is Aporta Games. But, uh, yeah, this is a game of uh, set collection and drafting and um, timing your plays and card actions and all sorts of interesting stuff mingled up together. So let's talk about how we play it, and then we can talk more about our impressions of the game itself. All right. Uh, basically, in the game, you're going to shuffle up uh, 72 of the profession cards. Uh, these cards uh, come in four different flavors, or as they call them, uh, professions. Uh, they, and then they're numbered two through six, uh, and there are different variations of values throughout each. Uh, you're going to have the four capital cards. There's just one of each that basically tells you what each of the professions do. Those are going to be placed out uh, face up, the blue, pink, green, and yellow. Uh, and then you have four modifier cards, which there's a minus one, minus three, a plus two, and a plus four. Those are going to get shuffled uh, and placed face down just in a stack off to the side. And there's actually also eight golden discs uh, or possibly eight golden squares depending on what version of this game that you have uh, they changed it uh, uh, what's going to happen is of those 72 profession cards you're going to deal out uh, 6 to each player unless you're playing a 4 person game then you're going to deal out 5 to each player uh, the beginning of this is going to start off as a drafting uh, situation so you're going to pick 2 of the cards in your hand uh, and pass the rest to the player to your left uh, and then the, of the cards you get, you're going to keep two of them and pass either the two you have left or the one you have left to the player to your left. And those are your starting cards. Uh, basically, you're going to be trying to pick out values and occupations that you think are going to benefit you. Uh, then starting with whoever is starting player. I forgot who the actual starting player is because I don't think it matters that much. Uh, but in future <laughs> rounds, uh, it is whoever has the most uh, value in their particular I think it's their particular capital. I can't remember if they call it their per- whatever their 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 tableau in front of their hometown <laughs> is what they call it. Uh, whoever has the highest value in their hometown will start. But in the beginning of the game, there is no hometown yet, so it doesn't matter. Uh, one profession card will be drawn from the top of that deck and placed out into whichever matching profession it goes to. So if you pulled out a green card, you'd put it with the green cards, and it, it, that area is essentially called the capital. Uh, on a player's turn, they're going to pick one of their cards in their hand, and they're either going to play it into their hometown uh, and 
they've just added to their hometown and that's it. That's all that happens. Or they can play it into the capital. Uh, if they play it into the capital, then they get the effects of whatever that is. Uh, the four different effects are the agent. If you play an agent into the capital, uh, then you get to take one of those modifier cards mentioned before. You'll take the top one off the deck, look at it. Only you get to look at it. And then you'll place it face down uh, over one of the four different capital cards. So you're essentially modifying the total value, but only you know what that value is. Uh, I believe you're only allowed to put one modifier card on any location, so if someone does it again, they can't pick the same location. Uh, if you place at the cleric or the pink cards, uh, you get to take one of the cards that is already at the capital uh, from any one of the three different you can't take from the cleric's uh, spot. You can take one of the cards from the capital uh, and it will be the lowest value in one of those categories. When you take it, it goes directly into your hand. Uh, that is all they do. Uh, the Scholar, when you place at the Scholar, you will take one card from the top of the Face Down Profession uh, cards deck, and you will add that to your hand. Uh, and if you add one to the Merchants or the Yellow deck, uh, then you get to take one of those, one of the eight golden discs that's there, or whatever happens to be remaining from there, and add it to your pool. Uh, this keeps going until, essentially, uh, someone has no cards left in their hand. Uh, now, you might say, well, then... then then everybody's going to run out of that. It, depending on what you've grabbed from some of those things, so if you do the clerics or the scholars, you've been drawing some cards. So a round can go a little bit longer than you expect, depending on how people are playing into each of the things in the capital or how much people are just playing into their hometowns. Uh, once someone runs out of cards, uh, then everyone else gets one more card to play, uh, and then... Then we go to basically the scoring phase. Uh, so what you were trying to do is have your hometown uh, not o uh, go over whatever's in the capital because apparently the capital is special. Uh, it's a, some sort of supply and demand thing where, oh, well, there's too many people in this hometown. I could be the capital is dying for my profession, I'll go to the capital. So what you're trying to do is stay just below the limit of what is set by the capital. So for example, if you sum up the total in the agents category in the capital, let's say it was five, and then you just compare everybody else's. If everybody else, you look at your own hometown and go, oh, I'm over five, I've lost it. Uh, it. But if you're under, then you have an opportunity to score. Of the people that didn't zonk or bust, essentially, uh, whoever had the highest total gets to take the highest card that is in the capital and keep it face down, just kind of their own little scoring pile off to the side. Uh, if multiple people tie for that, uh, then each person gets a card. I can't remember what happens uh, specifically, but each person does get a card and that there might be points made up for. I'm not really certain. I can't remember. Um, and you'll do that for every single one of the four categories. Um, if you you do have gold discs uh, that allow you to kind of bend those rules. So if, say, for example, oh, you've gone over by two. If you have two gold discs, you can spend those two gold discs to say, no, 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 you, you stay in my hometown. I'll pay you to stay in my hometown so that you don't lose those. Uh, you, it may come to a decision where uh, you can only pick one of your two categories because you've gone over in two different categories and you have to kind of choose or maybe you have enough money to keep them both type of a thing. Uh, <laughs> 
once once everything is scored for that round, you'll play another round. Uh, and as I mentioned before, whoever has the largest uh, total in their hometown area will start the next round. Uh, and then you, you the whole rigmarole will happen again, and you'll play one more round, so a total of three rounds. Uh, after those three rounds have been played, uh, your score is essentially all the things that you've scored then that face-down uh, bonuses scored that you got for having really high totals and not busting, uh, everything that's currently in your hometown, and you'll also score one every extra point for every gold disc that you have at the end of the game. Whoever has the most points at the end uh, wins the game. That's it. Um, huh. And there we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, that is Capital X. There you go. So this game has, uh, there's, I I was going to say, there's more complexity here than it seems, but not really. Anyway, this is an interesting game. It's got a lot of interacting parts, and there's more strategy, and I feel like I say this all the time with these small games, there's more strategy here than it seems, (laughs) but um, there's more interconnectivity and complex strategies here than than it seems, I I guess I'll say. Uh, Capital X is a game that, in my experience, and I've talked to other people who have similar experiences, that the first time you play it, you're kind of like... I have no idea. <laughs> like, you're just sort of lost in the mechanisms or, like, the right things to do. Because even though there's um, four cards with actions that you can potentially play, it's not just what actions to do. It's what value of card you sacrifice to do that action versus what cards you keep versus what cards you plan on for um, the next round. It's it's really it's really a, a interconnected game in a lot of different ways. Um, that I've not experienced anything quite like it. Have you played anything that's re- this reminds you of, or um, or there's nothing like hints comes of to mind? Yeah, uh, nothing specifically. It's a it is a very unique game. There, I mean, I've played games where you're kind of building a a a thing, but not something where you're kind of limiting what you have in your own tableau compared to some some other tableau. It's usually like, oh, I'm just comparing mine to other people. Uh, there are definitely ones where I have like there's seven wonders and like Alhambra does something similar with that where you're trying to just you're just trying to maximize your own or compare yourself to others. Just like, oh, gosh, I'm doing really well in this category, but I probably should focus on that one or, you know, I can kind of give up on this category. I should just, you know, let that one go by the wayside and try and focus on this type of thing. But this is definitely a unique thing where you kind of you can definitely give up on a category, uh, but mm-hmm. You know, in order to score, you have to kind of focus on something, or there there has to be some sort of uh, tug of war, essentially. But it's not just against your opponent; it's also against this middle capital area that that is kind of it's 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 not even a tug of war, really. It's it's a tug of war, but it's a like a three way tug of war type situation, <laughs> and that just it's very weird. I'm I'm imagining a tug of war happening between a loop where people are pulling. I don't even know how that would work. It's it's a very weird situation, and it takes a, a little while to kind of wrap your head around what the best move is in certain situations. Um, we played this uh, two times a while ago, and I absolutely hated this game. Uh, I think I may, I may have not absolutely completely grasped it. It was my first two times playing. Then we played it uh, just a little bit ago, 
and I, I enjoyed it more. I still don't love the game. I think I'm still a little bit soured on those first two games. I know this game can, if you don't know what you're doing, you can definitely get caught in situations where you are not going to be able to dig yourself out of a hole. And I think that happened to me uh, in both of those games where it was just like, it didn't, it didn't matter what I did. I just kept digging myself deeper. I, I kept playing things to add modifiers and I was hoping to get negative modifiers and I never the entire game I pulled six modifiers throughout the whole game and I never pulled one uh, negative <laughs> modifier every time I'm like if I just need one negative modifier and then I might be able to swing something no it didn't and so it didn't matter what it so basically it was a wasted turn and a wasted card and I could have you know put that value somewhere else and I just could not sway things and usually by mid game I'm like it doesn't matter what I do I'm gonna lose because I've I'm, I'm already so behind I just can't make up uh, anything I've lost although the game we played recently I think I had a little bit more of a grasp although there definitely could have been times where things uh, turned but I was definitely I may have been in a better mindset to kind of track cards because I think keeping track of the cards is very very important knowing what other cards are out there uh, really changes what you want to play and uh, especially seeing what cards people are picking up uh, is a huge deal. And I was definitely more focused on that because we were playing a lot of green and pink cards, especially a lot of pink cards. Uh, and so we we're just like, okay, I know he has a yellow three. I need to remember that because he's probably going to have to play that eventually. So he's probably going to be changing that total. So I need to focus that, or he might be adding it to his own pile. And there was definitely one point in time where I know you had a, a yellow three. I had a, like a yellow four and a yellow two and the limits were really close and you had a lot of gold and I had to do a lot of math in my head going, all right, if I play the two out there, <laughs> he's going to be short and he doesn't have enough to pay for it. Uh, but then I have to play the five in my own thing. Do I have enough coins if I do that? Uh, and it was one of those things where I would, as long as I played a yellow out into the capital. And so there was like the, there, the boundaries of where things need to go and also knowing I need this round to end. How am I going to make it end without pushing myself over over the limit? Or how, how can I play a card so that I don't get another card, which can be sometimes the worst thing. You might be sitting on a green card in your hand going, all right, I want the round to end. I can't play it in my hometown or I bust, but I can't put it in the capital because then I draw a card. I, uh, I I don't want either of these situations, which is the <laughs> least worst. Or maybe if I play it out into the capital, maybe I'll draw a card that I don't mind playing into my hometown, but I really want this round to end. Maybe he'll end it for me, and I just don't have to worry about getting rid of this card. I don't know. And it's There are really tough decisions, and if you're not paying attention, they're going to be even tougher uh, in this game. Yeah, yeah, it's... It's uh, it's a fo it's a game for focus. So I, I, it's definitely a game where you have to pay attention. I don't think this is one. I mean, you could play it pretty lightly if you really just don't care and like playing on the cards and interacting with the Bruce structures. But it sort of draws you into paying more attention. <laughs> like, like even if you're playing it like you're you're sort of drawn into the like the decisions you just mentioned of of uh, oh man, well I gotta I gotta think a little bit strategically about this, but then it kind of leaves you down the rabbit hole. But if that happens and this happens, then okay, all right. At the end of the day, though, I'm just gonna all right. I'm gonna play this and see what. No, no, no hold on. No, I'm gonna play this. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's how I play it. <laughs> and um, 
But at the same time, I you know I don't want this to feel like this is such a dense game and it's very inaccessible. For being a medium weight card game, it's really accessible. I have to say, although I will agree with what you mentioned earlier, and I, I kind of mentioned at the top of the show is that your first couple playthroughs, um, or your first playthrough, it it's it there is a learning curve here. This game wants you to think a certain way. And your experience with other games is going to sort of set you up thinking one way. And it's a little off-center how it wants you to think about this game. And so it does – I remember having that experience too where I just felt like, man, I just can't get a foothold here um, until I played it another time. And then I was like, oh, okay, all right. I kind of get the strategies that are laying out before me here and how they interact. And part of that I think the difficulty is because it's a several-round game – and you have um, collection. Your your collection in front of you is carrying from round to round. Like you said before, you can accidentally uh, really shoot yourself in the foot with like one color or another, and you're you're just never going to get that one. You know what I mean? You're never going to get a bonus for that. And so you kind of can drag behind. Um, but I don't. I don't. There's something about Capital Lux that I just really really like, <laughs> and I I don't think it's it's for everybody. But I do think that it apply or um, would be a an appealing game to a broad swath of gamers. And I don't. This is not a game that I I'm like constantly picking up. But every every once in a while I pick it up and I really enjoy jumping back into it um, to play it. So it's it's one of those games. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, I would say too. Like, so my experience, we played some uh, two-player games, and I really like this as a two-player game. I think it shines. It plays. Um, it's interesting how it stacks up with three and four. Four is pretty. Is kind of zany, but at the same time, you kind of start forming these unofficial alliances, or um, uh, just just like it's 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 interesting to see what's going around the table as it comes back to you. Um, you get more opportunities as well because there's more cards being played out. Less card or less uh, people are more um, limited in, in you know the options to put them in front of themselves versus trying to keep up with the central deck. Obviously, the player uh, the card count drops um, for the higher player counts a little bit by one card. But um, but it's anyway. It's, it, what I'm saying is that it stacks well and it plays very differently. I think this is a really, really, really good two-player game. I enjoy playing it three and four, but also at those counts, you have to take it a little less seriously because it's a little, adds yeah. a little variability of craziness or um, just uh, invariability or uh, uh, what do you call it? Chaos to the, to the game structure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I really like Capital Lux overall. I think it's a, it's a great um, kind of, Brain Bernie is not the right word, but but a thinking a thinking card game, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yes. With um, strategy over several rounds, and that's I think what's saving grace is it's not just all right. Let's do one long round and then see who came out on top. It's it's one of those that you really play over several rounds, kind of like in front of Elevators, which we just talked about. Where if it was just one round for that game, it would be terrible. <laughs> if but because yeah. you play over several rounds, it's kind of a catch up mechanism, and um, uh, there are ways to, to catch up here, but. It's interesting when we – I was trying to remember the first playthrough we did because uh, the last playthrough, we both had similar strategies. We both um, right. were using the pink to take the card from another pile, the smallest value card from another pile a lot. Like that was huge. So no one was ever in danger of going over pink <laughs> for their own collection and value because pink was so huge. And then we were also using the gold quite a bit. Um, we didn't really touch the modifier cards hardly at all. And I think – 
that was a your experience in the first play was that they were useless yeah. for you. <laughs> they, they were. Utter, I, I kind of gave. I'm like, you know, what? I'm not going down that road again. That burned me so hard. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because there's only four of them, so the odds of you getting sunk every time were just ridiculously low. But still, it happened. <laughs> and um, so we kind of focused, and I feel like that's that's probably not an uncommon thing to happen with this game is um, uh, to focus on. Uh, pink and and gold however i have also seen a strategy that really focuses on the green which is drawing more cards into your hand and you're not going to be able to play all those cards by the end of the round but you get so many more options yeah it gives you a lot of flexibility yes yeah you aren't stuck in these situations where it's like now i got two yellows and i don't want to play either of them either anywhere you know you have it's just like well i can play you know another green or i could play a blue like the blue is a good – I think blue kind of is a good thing to play. The the agents is when mm-hmm. you, you don't mind playing something to blue just to yeah. be like, I'm going to just screw with you. Like you you have the option to be like, oh, I'm putting this here. You think I'm putting a negative here? I'm not. I'm actually putting a positive here. I made it better for me. This is great. You know, it's, it's, it's something yeah. to play and kind of mess with people at the same time. It's not so much a I'm going heavy on the strategy, but it gives you another option other than – playing something into your hometown that you don't really want to play right it's like the psychological option (laughs) right (laughs) where um and i like that i really like that so there's all these really cool thought out act or um well the actions are all thought out really well in this game and and strategy you can prove it uh approach most of them though are going to kind of you're going to kind of have like a dual strategy you're sort of focusing on two actions and then um your third is like a, a one you're going to maybe sort of do a couple times. Like if you're doing pink and green, then you know, you're going to probably try to get a couple gold here and there, but you're not going to focus on that. And so one thing I like about this game is you can really kind of hone in on a strategy and just sort of like hammer at it um, if the, as the cards present themselves. And it's going to be also what you get dealt as you're getting hand is sort of going to determine where you're going to go. But you can extrapolate off that strategy. Like if you have a lot of pinks, um, you can uh, use them to get cards back in your hand and then hopefully play green to get more cards. Anyway, there's just so many interactivity or uh, options here for the way strategies can interweave. And I've, I haven't played this a ton, but I've played it a fair amount. And each time I play, it's a little different. And so I have to give kudos to a game that doesn't feel old yet to me. And uh, so anyway, it's got some ups, it's got some downs. But overall, I think this is a pretty good game, at least from, from my point of view. I, I really enjoy this one. Um. All right, let's get into uh, uh, taking it out and and some other stuff. Uh, So taking the game out, um, you are going to have a a pretty easy time of the – I think this definitely passes the pizza test because – all right, let's talk about what's out there. The central tableau. In the central tableau, you're going to have um, the four action cards – um, which are going to represent the colors of the cards that are also in your hand. So you're going to have a green, a blue, a pink, and a gold card. And uh, they also have listed the actions on the top that they do just for reference. Um, to the left of that, you're going to have the stack of modifier cards. There's only four of them. They'll be face down. And then to the side of that, you'll have the uh, pool of gold. Um, it depends on what, what kind you got. It's either um, squares or they are discs. Then in the uh, middle somewhere, uh, reachable by everybody, is going to be the draw deck. But that can be put off kind of 
uh, kind of the side again next next to the modifier cards. So um, all those things, the only thing that really has to be kept in order there is the uh, four action cards because they're going to be cards placed on them and they are going to create descending columns as you uh, get more and more cards there. Um, in front of you, it, uh, or the rest of the stuff, I guess, is what I was saying, is that you can just sort of arrange it as you will. There's no need to arrange it in a specific order. Kind of just keep it in reach of everybody um, so they can uh, use it when they need to. Uh, in front of you, you're going to have your hand. and uh, Or in your hand, I guess, you're going to have your hand. In front of you, you're going to have your own tableau that's going to grow. So like Alex mentioned in the rules, the, one, the two main things is you're going to place a card. On your turn, you're going to place a card in front of you to grow your tableau or into the city um, to do an action. And so in front of you, you're going to have one, I guess you could only go after one, <laughs> to four uh, color uh, stacks growing as well. And these are your collections that you're going to use at endgame scoring that you're going to be slowly building, slowly building up during the four rounds. These do have to be visible to other players on like what values are in there. So they do have to be kind of like feathered uh, in some way. Um, but they don't necessarily have to be oriented in a specific way. So once again, you can kind of set these to the side of yourself um, as long as everyone can see them and have your hand in your hand, and then you could have something eat to eat something in front of you. Uh, also, with the central tableau, you could push that off to the side, and we've done this actually, and put like a central meal in front of everybody, uh, like a pizza or, or what have you. Um, so this is a game that is quite modular on a table. It can be moved around quite a bit. So I think it does pass the pizza test and um, is pretty easy to arrange on almost any table setting. Yeah. Uh, um, the lettering on the cards are really good, or the numbering on the cards is really good. It's it's easy to see and very clear the values of anyone's cards or the central cards from any side of the table, even if you're looking at it upside down. They did a really, really good job of that. Um the uh, iconography is a great overall, and the art style is really cool. It, re- it reminds me of the Koo art style, but more like um, watercolory, <laughs> done with watercolors. <laughs> it's uh, it seems like it's in that universe to me. Um, it's sort of like the future, weird future people in weird future dress. Um, yeah. But there's like a softer feel to the art, which I really really like. I really like it. Uh, very very vibrant and colorful. Um, but uh, but anyway, yeah. So it's very modifiable. I think it passes the the taking out test for flying colors. The vibe of it is is good, but it's also something that you have to consider. Like, what type of game do I want to play? Do we want to play something where we're going to be doing a lot of chatting? Um, this probably isn't the game. This is a game that you're going to so. want to kind of settle in and focus on. But if that's what you're in for or up for, <laughs> this is a good choice. <laughs> I think it's an okay choice for me. I'm I'm not sold on it. I'll. I don't hate it as much. I definitely I'm gonna tell you right now, when when we said, Oh, we have to play this again, because actually we recorded this one time before uh and we <laughs> lost the file. Uh and I'm like, oh god, now I have to play this again. I was dreading play, playing it a third time. Um I didn't mind it as much the third time, but I'm still not a hundred percent sold. So this is a game where if you said, Hey, let's play Capital Ox, 
I wouldn't be dreading playing capital logs, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't say I'd be giddy to play capital logs. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's still not like a game I'm dying to like go get and play, but I wouldn't mind playing it another time. So it's, it's kind of the middle, middle of the round for me, middle of the table. I, I could take it or leave it myself. I, I do appreciate the game for definitely what it is and what it does. It's, it's kind of a cool thing that it does, but uh, I don't think it's completely my thing. So, Yeah, fair enough. Sounds like resounding support to me. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, actually, it's funny because uh, when we had to replay it, I was actually excited because I could—I knew you—you you had a bad experience the first play, and I was just like, "Oh, come on! It deserves a better it deserves a better shake than that." I understand, you know, it, uh, not liking a game or a game betraying you and just being like, "Nah, that's that's it." But I also was like, "Oh, I think you'd like this more if we could get another shot." So I was really excited. <laughs> so did I lose the files or did I intentionally delete them? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. Thinking thinking for a while there i'm like i think he intentionally deleted three files just so that we could play this one well, game over again. capital lux he'll know what i'm doing he'll know so i clearly he'll have know. To delete. i have to delete all of the ones we've done since then <laughs> and then i have to act surprised that we still have to do that one. Oh, is that one lost too oh I guess oh, oh gosh yeah like uh, who would have thought gosh darn it <laughs> But I was glad we we uh, played it again because I feel like it, it was a much more representation representative playthrough the second time around that we we went after it and there was much more back and forth and uh, and the cards were equally working for or against us in that in that playthrough. Um, so anyway, yeah, to- uh, totally understand though. I definitely feel like this is going to be a game where people are like, yeah, this is great, or no, I'd play that, or no, I don't really like that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those where it's you're gonna fall. It, it's very distinct in your opinions. It's not. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're looking for something casual, this is not the casual game. Unless somehow mm-hmm. everyone's playing very casually, in which case I could guess it could kind of work. Uh, but as as long as there's one person who's not, it's going to ruin the game for everybody else because no one's going to be doing quite well in any fashion. So it, I think it. Largely depends on your group, I guess, but mostly uh, if you're looking for a casual game, I'd look somewhere else. But if you're looking for something with a little bit more, you know, oomph to it, this would probably not be that bad of a, of a suggestion. At least try it. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's better options for casual games for sure. So, um, but yeah, this fits in a nice pocket though of like you want a bit more intensity. Um, okay, let's see. Who's it for? Who's it's not for? We kind of co- just covered all this, but basically, I think uh, actually, we honestly, we just literally said it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's more. It pretty much just explained it right. We there. just so didn't put the weird. title on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Retroactive titling of who is it for and who's it not for? Uh, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. No reason to expand it on that. I think that's pretty clear. And uh, if you played some games, you've got a, probably a sense of what type of game this is and who might be up for it, and, and, and whether or not if you'd be up for it. Um, would your mom like it? I can't imagine she would ever really like this game. <laughs> this is just too too much focus, too less, too little, uh, too much focused strategy, and not enough um, exciting interactivity. <laughs> yep that that pretty min- pretty much nails it. Uh, she All would right. not. Not to say that I me not liking it as much it means my mom won't like it. there. I'm, there are definitely games my mom loves that I'm not a huge fan of, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, this, yeah, she would not enjoy this game. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Let's see. What else are we missing? Did we cover it all? Did we hit it? We've covered it all, but I want to cover one more thing. Uh, there, oh, is, sure, yeah. there is a sequel to this game, Capital Lux 2. Um, I, I don't think there is a subtitle to that. I think it's just Capital Lux 2. It's basically, it's the same game, uh, but with more stuff. So uh, if you happen to see Capital Lux 2 out there, uh, it, it is a subtitle, Generations. So Capital Lux 2 Generations. Uh, it contains everything that is contained in the original game, uh, but they kind of uh, uh, made things look, pretty uh, they, i think they made the gold tokens have like a head on them so it look actually looks like a coin rather than although i think i preferred wooden discs um and it allows you kind of to kind of change out the different powers that are in the game they they come with uh power tiles is what they call them uh and there are a total of 16 power tiles four of which are the uh powers that are in the original game so the agent cleric merchant and scholar are all there from the original game so if you wanted to play the original game or as they call it the beginning uh you can play that Ooh. way uh they have suggested ways i think they're called revolution harmony and anarchy uh which are the basically the other sets of of ones so it's like infiltrator doomslayer follower and converter make the revolutionary uh so you'll be playing with those different powers although you can mix and match if you want to uh they just have their suggestions of how you should play them but there's nothing limiting you there uh although i think the way they intended it is that the green powers are always green powers you wouldn't play with like all of the ones that are green powers in the game you can only have one green power so that's that's the way they intended to for it to be played so uh i if you are like ooh, yeah i think i might pick that up that seems really cool uh look out for this one it's a 2020 game or at least that's what it says on board game geek i haven't seen it out uh but it's possible it's just kind of slowly getting to the united states or something like that i'm not not really sure but uh yeah keep keep your eye out for that because if it sounds interesting uh this adds so much more variability to the game yeah there you go. I uh, I'm curious about these. I I because um, there's the expansion. Isn't there a? There is a pocket uh, version. Pocket yeah. version. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Which uh, I think it's a pocket version of Capital Lux Two. So maybe you should yes. get that one if you really really wanted to fit <laughs> even more on a on an outside table. Yeah. So you've got options. It's even it gets even more uh, takeoutable. <laughs> so. There you go. Yeah, I, I'm curious about what they did with that. I remember talking about it last time, and it did look interesting um, what's been uh, incorporated into it. So I'm not, like like I said, it's not a game I play all the time, but I would be curious to try it. Um, but I'm not rushing out to grab it either. Anyway, all right. Well, now we've done it officially. We've done it all for Capital Lux. Um, I, uh, I definitely think it's worth... Uh, at least if you like, if you have an opportunity to play it, I would try it. I would, I would for sure try it and see what you think about it because it is an interesting structure. It's a unique game, and I think for what it is, they did a good job with it. Um, we played one of their other games, Kokoro, the other uh, other day. Totally different game, but yeah, I, I really like these guys as designers. They're um, they uh, they 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 do good jobs. They they do good job. Good job. Good job. Good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> good jobs good jobs for them they do um but uh, anyway it's worth it's worth trying is what i'm trying to say if nothing else i wouldn't rush out to grab it unless you really really uh, think this is right up your alley but i definitely think it's worth checking out um because it is i like it it's a cool structure uh all right everybody that's gonna do it for us 
Um, I am uh, bowing out of uh, catchphrases. You know what I'm Hey, guess what? Guess what? What? Uh, Because because we have episodes that got lost uh, to time, uh, you have catchphrases that you've used in previous ones that you've lost. So I I can pull one back from the dead. Uh, Oh, you can? Wow. Yes. I I keep track of all this stuff. So I'm going to tell you (laughs) your catchphrase. All right. You tell it. Oh, man, I can't wait. Wow me. So you're going to be you're going to be like, oh, yeah. I came up with that one. I forgot. So here it is. And it, and it starts off uh, with a, a number of them, how they start off with a colon. A statement. <laughs> Games. Getting you out of small talks for 200 years. <laughs> if not longer. <laughs> there you go. Yep. That sounds like something I would say. All right, everybody. We'll take that and uh, write it on a piece of paper and stick it to your wall and look at it every day. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening uh, you can get a hold of us if you'd like to of course on Twitter and Instagram at Chits and Chat you can also go to our podcast hosting page eavesdrop.com and scroll down to the Chits and Chat section and fill out our comment form we'd love to hear from you and until next time we will catch you on the next episode bye <laughs> <laughs>